Uh, I would like you to turn to Luke uh, 15, if you would. A very, very familiar passage. Uh, one that's often preached. Uh, I've, I've preached on it several times throughout my uh, 25 years of pastorate. Uh, every evangelist I've ever talked to has said that most of their messages come from this area of the Bible, this uh, teaching of the Bible in Luke 15. Uh, but in Luke 15, uh, verse 11, we're going to read about the prodigal son. Stand with me if you can uh, as we read, as I read this uh, uh, aloud. You don't have to stand, by the way, to bless God, but I just... Uh, I like doing that in preparation for the message. A certain man had two sons, verse 11. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them the living, his living. Or you could put there his entitlement. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, in other words, came to his senses, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose, came to his father, but when he was yet a far, far, great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no longer worthy to be called thy son. And the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Hallelujah. And they began to be merry. Now here's where my message is coming out from verse 25 on. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, and said to his father, Lo, these many years I served thee, do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured the living which with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And I love this statement. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us see, Lord, some of the struggles uh, that people go through in life and how this passage has touched us in a way 
like no other passage in the Bible. It affects everybody, Lord, at some point in their life. They've gone through either one of these two sons or the father's experience. And we do pray, Lord, that you'll help me right now stand in this pulpit and preach behind this sacred desk. And Lord, and give the word of God uh, according to your will and not according to mine. So Father, I thank you for everything we're going to do, what we're going to hear. We pray that we can feed on it, uh, Lord, and nourish our spiritual soul. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you know uh, the feeling of being bullied? Anybody know that from a kid, the feeling of being bullied? Anybody by the raise hand and say, yeah, I know what that feels like. Yeah, I can tell you I do too. Um, I know I'm a big guy, but I wasn't always a big guy. I was a skinny little kid in high school, a skinny tall kid uh, uh, in high school. And this bully would come by my house, and he'd come by very often, and uh, he would challenge me to a fight, dare me to come off the porch of my house. Uh, and then he, he called me names. He promised that he would pummel me. Do you everybody know what pummel means, I guess? And if I had enough courage to come off the porch, he would taunt me. Well, I did one day. I jumped off that porch, went right at him, and he pummeled me. That's all I can say is I ended up on the ground, and the next thing I know, my father was out there pushing him away, grabbing me, and pulling me back into the house. But he didn't stop. He kept coming. Um, but that all changed one day when my dad was home, when he came by and he saw what was happening. So when dad uh, came out of the house, things changed. He first told me to get in the house. That's what he said. He said, get back in the house. And I, so I went back in the house. Then I watched, pulled the curtains back, watched my dad from inside the house as he told that bully to get lost and chase him down the street. Now, probably he would have gotten in trouble today for doing that, but he did it. And let me tell you, I loved it. <laughs> Vengeance was mine, saith the Lord. I, I was just looking at that, and I was just glorying and exhilarating. I loved it. He, he did, I felt delivered, and I felt my dad was like my hero. And when thinking about what happened, it reminded me of three important truths to introduce this message today. One is this. I knew that in my father's house I was safe. I knew that in my father's house I was safe. Once I was inside the house, I no longer needed to fear that bully because my father was there, and the house was my refuge. Secondly, I knew this. I knew that in my father's heart, I was his son. And the bully was not. <laughs> so I, was gonna, I had a privilege. And I knew he loved me. He wasn't going to let anything bad happen to me. I could, I could just take that to the bank. I knew that. And then thirdly, I knew that in my father's hands, I was secure. Isn't that amazing? That's a message right there I ought to preach. But I was just a skinny little kid who couldn't beat his way out of a paper bag. And, but he, had, he, he was a grown man with strong hands, and he could handle this kid no problem. I did my best that day, by the way, uh, but I, I just couldn't take him. Now listen very closely as I, as I just prep for this message. In my father's house, I was safe. In my father's heart, I was his son. And in my father's hands, I was secure. My father right now is 89 years old, and he cannot take care of himself any longer. We have to have 24-hour care around him. But as a little boy, my hero that day was my father. But unfortunately, I know that's not always the case for every child. Um, my children have been uh, many children have been abandoned or abused by family members, and because of it, they live with wounds 
uh, that don't ever seem to heal. But there is a verse in the Bible in Psalm 27.10 where it says, it says, uh, when my father and my mother forsake me, right, then the Lord will take me up. You know what's incredible about that verse is that there's no record of David's mom or dad forsaking him. And yet that's in the Bible. And that tells me that God specifically put that in the Bible for those who were forsaken uh, by their parents in one way or another. Um, do you know what that means? You never have to worry when you're in God's house. Amen. You never have to worry in God's He never abandons his children or his home. There's a little girl that, believe it or not, I, I got a phone call from, uh, when I was back in my church, I got a phone call from a Nazarene preacher somewhere down this way. I don't remember where he was. I think it might have been Florida, though. It was in the south. I know that. And, and he said, uh, there's, a, there's a young little girl coming up to your place, and I've, I've instructed her to go to your church. And I said, wow. And I said, a Nazarene, there's a Nazarene church right next to it. I said, why did you choose our church? Because he says, I know those Baptists get it right. Isn't that amazing? And that little girl came to my church, and she had an awful upbringing. And I remember taking her to that verse, and that's what got her saved. Uh, she trusted in the Father of heaven instead of the Father that had abandoned her. But she was back with the Father. She back, you know, back in that day, he was taking care of her, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, this story of the prodigal son is the top three most stories in the Bible preached. Uh, from, what I, from what I've done, my research that I've done, more messages have been preached about this lost boy than any other subject in the Bible. And I myself have preached out of this passage several times in the past 25 years of my, of my pastorate. And I've heard many evangelists say they've gotten more messages out of the story, you know, for their preaching than any other story in the Bible. And I can see why, can't you? I really can. Everybody can relate to some part of the story, you know, or one of these three characters in the story. It was a powerful message, and it has a powerful message to every generation. Uh, this is a story that never stops giving in the area of love, right, forgiveness, um, hope, redemption. Uh, recovery, restoration, salvation, new beginnings. Uh, that's why this story is, is so important. I'm not sure whether it was because of the return and restoration of the younger son who got himself into a mess, uh, but finally came to a senses, or it might be because of the resentment of the older son who didn't get the recognition that he thought he deserved, or because of the response of the loving and forgiving father uh, that, uh, that we all have hope in for life. I mean, I don't know what it is, but regardless of what it is, the one part of the story that is often overlooked and hardly ever mentioned in this mass messages is the importance of the Father's house. Now, I just went through that in the Sunday school about the importance of the house of God, the local church, you know, where, we're, where God places us. There's no better time to be in His house than right now in these two weeks ahead of you. Uh, and for, for all time. But for these two weeks ahead of you, you're coming into the, the Resurrection Sunday services, right? Next is Palm Sunday, then the Resurrection. There's no better time to be together during a time of celebration like that. And that's what was going on here. There was a celebration going on in the Father's house. It's in the house where the celebrations take place because the lost are restored in the Father's house. You have a young man over here that's trusted on Christ that's in your house right now, right? Because the lost are restored and the saved are rewarded. You know, when you come in here, you think, uh, don't you feel blessed? Don't you feel rewarded? 
I do. When I come in and I hear something from God's Word that just touches me, I feel like I've been rewarded just for being in God's house today. Right? Because He's preached something to me that I needed to hear. Uh, do you know what most people's problem is today? Is they go after what they want in life, like this prodigal son, with no regard for consequences that they may have to face. They get themselves into a mess uh, they can't get themselves out of, and then they won't get in or go back into the house of God where God can help them. Because I can tell you, most people in their early years uh, were taken into the house of God. But pride just won't let them go back into the house. And it might be their pride or anger or stubbornness or hurt feelings that keeps them out. But there are things, now listen to me, that happen in God's house that can't happen in any other house. It's in his house. It's all about getting into God's house, serving him there, staying there, and growing in the likeness of Christ there. That's where God wants us. That's why Jesus came for us. That's what happens uh, uh, when we come in. It pleases God, brings us to eternal blessings that we have never, have made, never have seen until we got into the house of God. Today, because of COVID and social media, the house of God is under siege. Do you know that? It's, I mean, it's like, I, I'm hard to, at Friendship Baptist, they, half their church is not coming to church yet. They're still just watching over social media. Now listen carefully to the words of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If I not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And, I, and if I go and prepare a place here, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where? In my Father's house. And, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, of course, saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's telling you he's preparing a place for us. So one day we're going to be in the eternal house of God in heaven. Jesus came to show us the way into the Father's house. It's in the Father's house where it all comes together. Um, where, the problem, where the problem lies is within us. It's just within us. We either, won't, uh, we either won't enter into the house in the first place, right? It intimidates us or whatever it is. We won't go through the door of the house. Or we won't return to his house after we've fallen or, or, or we've went astray. And then the last part is we won't stay in this house once we're there. We let little things, we let, we let Satan pinch us. That's all it is. Let little things get underneath our crawl. And the first thing you know, we're either changing houses or we're leaving that house and we're going to another house or we're not going to the house at all. And as a result, we don't experience the life-changing blessings that come with the house. So it's a very sad commentary of life and it's getting worse all the time with what's happening around us in the world right now. People just won't surrender to God and enter into his house, the only house where they can find the help and the hope that they need. And because of their doubts, they're missing the peace they have been searching for their whole life. I always try to, if, if anything, if you can't, you know, I, I try to lead people to Christ, obviously, but if I can't get anywhere, I always say, at least come in to the house of God. At least hear the preacher. At least hear what God has for you. I mean, if you come once, I'll be happy. Um, if you come more than that, I'll be happier. But at least get in there because that's where God meets with us. He said, we're two or more gathered together. There he is in the midst. That means Jesus is sitting 
in this house right now with us. Um, and because of their doubts, they're missing the peace that surpasses all understanding that Jesus gives in this house. The, the peace that they've been searching for and they couldn't find their whole life. They're missing a boatload of blessings, uh, right? Be, that can only be found in the house of God. I love being in the house of God. That the very first thing when I got here down here is I walked into the sanctuary. Just want to be in there and feel, the, feel it, you know, just because it's so precious to me uh, because of all the stuff that God has done for me out of the house of God. The fa Father's house is where, it all, it's where it's all happening, where God wants us for all of eternity. And the most important thing, now listen to me, the most important thing about the house is the Father who owns it. Amen. Isn't it? It's God's house. He, he presides there with those who live there. He protects those who live there. He provides for those who live there. He promises blessing to those who to live there. And the greatest news of all is he wants to fill his house. These pews in this house should be filled. Amen. If we're doing our job, we really should be out there just getting people into God's house. He wants us to fill it. He wants everyone there. I think of Luke 14, 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go in, out into the highways and hedges and compel them. You know what that means, that compel words? That's almost like drag them in. You're going with me to the house of God, right? Uh, that my house may be filled. He not only wants to fill his house, but he also wants to fill those who are in his house with his spirit. Um, why wouldn't anyone want to get in God's house? Isn't that amazing? That's the question of the hour. Why wouldn't anyone want to be in God's house when they'll be safe and secure there, they'll be provided for there, they'll be loved there, they can find salvation there, they can find recovery there, restoration. You see, his hands are strong and very capable of handling any situation, the father of his house. And he will forgive them that uh, when they fail him there. Uh, I've been trying to get people into God's house for 35 years. Uh, that's how long ago I got saved. I, I, I've, been, uh, uh, I've been married this coming month, 45 years. I've been saved 35 years. I've been pastoring 25 years. And it's not getting any, any easier, especially with this COVID thing. And add to that the saturation of the world's pleasures that you can get so easily through social media. Um, it's taken over the world, and God has to compete with it every day. And now, on Sundays, especially on Sundays, it's very hard to get people back into the house again. I think you'd all agree with me. But the Father is the hero of this story. I hope you know that. And the Father's heart is the healing part of the story. But the Father's house is the hope of this story. And I think it's not preached on enough. In His house is where anyone can find him and hope and healing and help. For Jesus' sake, if you haven't already, I plead with you, get in the house. Amen. Amen. If, you, if you haven't been in the house, get back in the house. I don't know, is this, is, this, uh, is this thing live on social media or anything like that? Is it recorded where people can hear this? Because they really, you're, listen, if, if there's anybody listening to me right now, if you haven't been there, get back in there. Get back in the house. If you've made a mess of your life, get into the house before it's too late. Right? Get back in there. That's the simple message for us today. Just get back into the house. 
get out and get those people that haven't been here in a while. Get them back into the house. Don't you know COVID? This, I understand the fear of COVID. I understand that. But now we're on the other side of it. So let's get him back in. If you've wandered away from his house, just get back in the house. Don't be like the elder son who, because he was offended, wouldn't enter into the house and was missing out on all the celebrations that were going on in the house. But be like the prodigal son who came to his senses, made his way back into the father's house where his sins were forgiven, where the blessings were returned, and his position was reinstated. I love this story. I don't think there's a person on planet Earth that's a Christian that doesn't love this story. Why forsake his house, the only house that matters in life? Let's get back into the house and let's start celebrating again what we have here. And Jesus is the door, by the way, to that house. And his door is wide open right now. I, I think we're living in the greatest opportunity of all of history right now. So don't get too caught up in all these political fights and all that stuff. Don't, don't do it. Right? We got a, we got a, man, there, there, people are just opening up. I'm talking, I let a, I was down going, I went down to Kentucky to see my kids not too long ago, and uh, I was in a restaurant, a girl was waiting on us, and uh, I could tell she was struggling uh, in, in her life. I, I don't know why, I just did that, and I said to you, you're struggling, aren't you, in your life? She said, yes, yes, I am. I said, uh, has anybody ever shared with you, you know, Jesus Christ? She goes, um, yeah, and I said, do you, do you understand uh, that there's a way into heaven and a way to meet him and be into heaven. And, and if you were to die right now, do you know that you would have that opportunity? And, and, she, and she said, no. And I said, would you like to hear about it? She said, I absolutely would. I, and, and this is during the, the work, working thing. I said to her, I said, well, how can I talk to you? She goes, I'll talk to my boss. She went and got her boss. She got permission, pulled the chair up, sat with us in the booth. I led her to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Right during her work period, she had all kinds of things going on. She had moved out of the area to that area and came to that area because her life was a mess. Had three kids, and my wife gave uh, presents to her kids. And, and, uh, and then she po I watched her Facebook page. She posted that she had gotten saved that night. And you should see the, the things that keep coming in after replies that people have been praying for her, saying, amen, amen. This is what we've been praying for, you know, all the way through. You see, Jesus is the door to his house. You're missing out of a more abundant life right now if you refuse to enter in like this son of resentment. So if you won't enter his house, you will never see what happens in his house. So here's, here's what happens when you get in his house. I'll give you a few things and we'll be done. Number one, when you enter his house, first, it's in his house is where sinners are fully exonerated. Fully exonerated. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, it says, in verse 24. So the prodigal son was received back and restored back to his original position just as if he had never sinned against his father. Almost just as if he had never been a sinner. All was forgiven, but what's even more profound was that all was forgotten. Father runs out, kisses him, brings him in. It's almost like it never happened, the whole thing. In my father's house is where his son was forgiven and his sins forgotten, and they were forgotten forever. It was just like he started brand new, right over again, right at that moment. If it's where you find freedom from bondage. It's where sinners become saints in that house, and, and, and the forgiven become God's family. It's where hope is restored and the broken hearts are healed. It's where the conquered finally become the conquerors. 
Do you know, I, I always tell, uh, uh, my, I used to tell my church family this because I've counseled so many people through the years. Do you know that there are some things you, you can never change? There are some things you can never correct, like your past. And there's not some things you can never cancel out. Try posting something on media and then try to take it back. There are some things you can never cure. Not everybody lives through cancer or through COVID. But I can tell you that you can conquer all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he said, uh, and uh, Paul said, I, I, can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've watched people time and time again in my ministry conquer things that they couldn't change, cure, change, or correct. In his house is where the creator becomes your caretaker. It's where Christ becomes your conqueror. It's in his house where the rejected are received. It's in his house that the ruined are redeemed or where the rebellious are restored. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's in his house where sinners are fully exonerated. And secondly, it's in his house where saints are fully decorated. I love this part. How many, how many love children? I, I, I just love coming to church and seeing the children and what they're doing. And, and I think one of, the dec, uh, one of the rewards or one of the being decorated for being a saint is when your child is in church and you see them grow in Christ. Just watching them listen and feed upon the things that they're talk, talking about in church. In fact, you, you'd be surprised how many kids want to get to church more than their parents do. But look at verse 22. Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You ever thought about this? Where would be the best robe be, where would the best robe be closeted? Where would the, the costliest ring be kept? Where would the finest shoes be found? Well, of course, it's in God's house. These are the things Jesus purchased for you with his own blood. This is the attire of the son or daughter of God. How do I know that? In Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul, shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. You see, because he receives you into his house like his child, and he lavishes you with the best he has to offer, leaving you nothing undone. In other words, you receive the best he has to offer. And we got that in Jesus Christ. Jesus not only changes, or, uh, changes you and cleans you, cleanses you up with his own blood and forgives you, he will clothe you with his own righteousness, present you faultless before God. I was just sharing with that, the young man over here. Our righteousness is nothing better than filthy rags, the Bible says. But he comes and he imputes to you, puts his robe on you. So when you enter into heaven, God says, why should, why should I let you in? Because I'm, I'm under the blood of Jesus. Amen. So it's in this house where sinners are fully exonerated. It's in this house where saints are fully decorated. Thirdly, it's in this house where salvations are fully celebrated. I love it when people get saved. I love it when I got saved. I, it was so exciting. I want to get saved again. Uh, now his elder son was in the field, and, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, what did he hear? He heard music and he heard dancing. Now think about this. Usually when you hear music and you see dancing, there's a celebration going on, am I right? He wondered what's going on in the house. Why? Because it sounded joyful. It's, what, it's what's always got going on in the Father's house. Do you know that? 
It's always going on in a father's house. When one sinner repents of their sin and returns to God, the residents of his house are celebrating in heaven. Now think about this and look back at verse 7. I say unto you, he says, he says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. There's always a whole lot of celebration going on in, in the Father's house. And there should be a whole lot of celebration going on in this house right here. Amen? Dead people are finding life. Lost people are being found. Bound people are being set free. Broken people and bruised people are being healed. healed. So it's time to get out of the devil's house and get back into God's house where you'll find out what real life is all about. It's time to get out of the drug house and into the recovery house where you'll finally re be released from your bondage. Yeah, it's time to get out of the drunkard's house and back into the sober house where your, where your happy hour is eternal. Amen. You know, it's time to get out of the jailhouse and back into the Lord's house where you find forgiveness and freedom forever. It's in his house where failed people finally find success in their life. It's where guilty people finally find forgiveness. It's where fallen people finally stand up again in life. It's where the forgiven finally find their family in that house. Get back in the house where sinners are fully exonerated and saints are fully decorated and, the sal and salvations are fully celebrated. And lastly... It's in his house where servants are fully appreciated. This is my favorite part of the story. Look at verse 31. It's amazing. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. You get all God has to offer when you're in his house. This is all good. But my favorite part of the story is found in verse 28. And he was angry would not go in, and I love this next statement, therefore came his father out. What's so amazing to me about this is that this son didn't demand his father to come out. His father came out because he knew the other son he loved, his faithful son, wasn't there. Uh, I think this is the most loving part of this whole story. Um, maybe because it means a lot to me. But Jesus left heaven, right? He descended into a cursed world to seek and to save sinners who lost their way. And one of them was me. This boy, I believe, represented Israel, but I think it goes further than that. Yeah, that's my belief. God is not only waiting and watching for lost sinners to come back home like his other son. He's also looking, looking for backslidden saints to get back into the house. The church should be full, uh, full as God intended, but many of the saints aren't here, are they? You can all think of many people that used to attend here. They're not attending anywhere anymore. All the boy had to do was enter into the house with his father and join the celebration, but it was a choice that only he could do. It's one that only he could make. It was a choice the father was not going to make for him. You know, but the father was also not going to let him get away with not making the choice. That's our God, by the way. You're not going to get out of this world without making a choice whether to receive or reject Jesus Christ. You're going to have to make that choice at some point. So in closing, we're left with a cliffhanger, aren't we? This is one of the stories in the Bible that's got a cliffhanger. 
Did he get in the house? The end of the story doesn't tell us if he did or he didn't. But let me say this. He could have if he wanted to. And so can all of you. And so can anyone listening to me that hasn't been back in the house for some time. There may be some here who are living like that younger prodigal son who need to come to their senses, repent of their sin, and come home. Yes. There may be others listening like the other son who need to return and get back into the house. Whatever the case, listen to me very carefully, running from God is never going to answer. It's never going to bring you an answer. Running to him as fast as you can is the answer. As quickly as you can, get to Jesus. Get back into his house right now. He's been waiting for you. You know, the appeal is um, the importance of the house. How important is this house to you? How important is this house in heaven to you? Because it's extremely important to the Father that you get back into his house. Let's bow our heads. Has God spoken to you this morning in any way? Because I know it wouldn't have been anything I said. It's only what he said out of his word to your heart. If he's speaking to you, you know what you have to do. That's the thing. When the Father speaks, you know what you have to do. And maybe it's finally time to give up and get back into his house. Maybe it's time to finally give up and get back to God. Or to give back to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, who would say by the raised hand, and I'm going to turn it over to the preacher in just a minute, I'm under conviction about the importance of the God's house right now. Who would raise their hand and say, I'm under conviction about the importance of God's house right now? Anybody at all? Amen. Amen. I see it. Amen. I got good news for you. The door's still open. It's always open. All you have to do is walk through the door by faith. Who right now, right by the raised hand, is willing to be honest with God and say, I know that I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Is there anybody here in that case? Well, that's up to you. Whether you're going to receive Christ, repent of your sins, receive Christ, and meet God here in his house. So with that said, head still bowed. I'm going to turn it over to the preacher. And he can, this is, he's the shepherd over this house. And we'll let him finish the message.